When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James, and this podcast, as ever, is brought to you by The Athletic UK. And what a show we've got in store as Fulham move top of the tree following another four-goal haul, this time against basically bottom Barnsley at Craven Cottage. And we have to heap some praise on Derby County as well for beating Bournemouth 3-2. That's my kind of Sunday. But back to the White, seven wins in a row for Fulham, seven consecutive goal returns for Alexander Mitrovic, and the sixth time this season that Fulham have scored more than four goals in a match. What a truly incredible team this is. And what a team we have on the podcast today. Drew Heatley, hello. We are top of the league, say we are top of the league. Jack Kelly, hello. Hello, everyone. And Farrell Monk, hello. Hello, everyone. What a weekend it's been. Oh, yes. And Thanksgiving weekend as well. I know you've got an American partner. I know there's a lot of American people listening and Thanksgiving's around the corner. So happy Thanksgiving, one and all, to all of our full American cousins out there, wherever you are in the world. Uh, let's do some three word reviews then from yesterday's mauling of the tykes down by the river. Farrell, what are the best ones that came in? Oh, there were some absolute classics today and I've tried to narrow them down. Otherwise we'll be here all day. But um, I'll start off with uh, Alvar's the, the Four Horsemen, obviously referencing the uh, the nice. scorers yesterday. Um, Rodak Goat is the emoji in the, in the username on Twitter as Clappers Clap Back. That's obviously in reference to um, their Barnsley Twitter going immediately for our clappers and then Fulham clapping back at it. We've got Matt Walls tyking the piss which I loved. Uh, Lars Anderson's Seri ca- caresses balls, which I'm always, I'm always for. Uh, Carolino's uh, pizza, pizza for Mitro. And of course, I've got to finish yeah. with Alex at Pure Powers, horn criteria fulfilled. Okay. Okay. All right. The moment has come, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready. The drum roll, please. Extra long horn for you all today. <laughs> the criteria, as Pure Power finally said, has been fulfilled. We are top of the league. We've won three plus games consecutively. I mean, we've won seven consecutively, for goodness sake. So the horn can finally played, as I say, all aboard. You're all very, very welcome. Um, also, I had so many people message me about the horn today. Literally full time went at Derby Bournemouth. And my Twitter was just like, sound the horn, sound the horn, Instagram, sound the bloody horn. So much so that Marisa Cardoni, I think she plays the trombone, trumpet. I can't tell her what instrument it is. Anyway, it's a big trumpet. Let's put it that way. Even sent me this. <laughs> to play on the podcast her <laughs> playing a horn for us so let, let me tell you that's a trombone 
That is definitely a trombone. Yeah, I spent a year playing it in secondary school. That is an unmistakably a trombone. Okay, good to have that clarified. I mean, amazing that you can just tell that from the timbre. <laughs> yeah, it's ingrained. Uh, one more time. Marisa, thank you. Maybe we make this a thing every week that I, I will play horns by request. I don't have to play my horns <laughs> that I find. You know, if we keep on winning and the criteria keeps being fulfilled, send me a horn. I'm more than happy to play it. Okay, brilliant. Let's get into the game then. Um, we spent four minutes dicking around playing horns. Um, and Drew, what's uh, an afternoon at the cottage? It's just becoming routine, isn't it? Four goals is just something not really to write home about anymore. It used to be maybe what once a season that y- your team might score four in a match. Right now, it's just it's just the expected deliverance. It is. Sorry. I mean, it is exactly that. I, I literally said at a half time, it'll be four. And, and, and I had to my mate who I was with. So it'll definitely be four. I just had that feeling. I mean, I'm get. I'm not, uh, I'm savoring every moment because next season, uh, there will be no weekends where we score four, uh, and probably a few in which we concede them, but we're not going to go into that today. We're going to enjoy the fact that there was four. Um, I took a mate, uh, my best mate I took with me, who's not a Fulham fan, but he hadn't been since, funnily enough, the last game we went to was when we got thumped 3-0 by Barnsley at home, uh, pre-pandemic. Ah. Um, but he said, you know, he's he's gone fairly regularly over the years of me, and he said it's, it's the best football he's seen us play. So, and I, it's, it's almost hard push to, to disagree. It was such a professional performance on, on Saturday uh, from start to finish, and... Uh, you know, even like during points during the second half, it was just even it was all aboard the showboat. It was absolutely fantastic. We were just we were just imperious and and Barnsley are the latest to get swatted aside by Silver's boys. Yeah, um, Jack, you said uh, before the podcast that uh, you were a little bit worse for wear yesterday. You'd had a few margaritas and that you couldn't remember the game, but you watched it back this morning. <laughs> so, uh, what was your opinion the second time of viewing? No, I. Well, I, I remembered most parts, but, but maybe the, the yeah, small parts sure. in between the goals and, and how the goals maybe came about in their build-up. But um, <laughs> so I basically, thought, the most important part. Yeah, I, I thought Fulham were great. Um, yet again, we we actually had to ride a bit of a storm at the start with that effort from twenty yards out um, from Barnsley, which Rodak saved. Um, yeah, we started a bit nervy, but once we got into our stride, played some nice stuff. Um, was slightly concerned or with no John Mikel Serry in the starting 11 because the last time he didn't start we got beaten by Coventry but Tom Kearney slotted in and did fantastically Harrison Reed just doing what he does sweeping up um, sweeping up play and look this this ball from Kenny Tete for the opening goal is just absolutely beautiful um, and, and Fulham did a did a fantastic job on Saturday um, and I think that we we now warrant being the best team in the league I watched Bournemouth today against a, a Derby team who had just been hit with a massive points deduction, making them minus three, and I didn't think they were very good. Um, and Fulham just keep on rolling. We've got Derby on Wednesday, Preston on Saturday, and this is very, very, very positive times for Fulham. 48 goals in 18 games. Uh, the only downside to yesterday was conceding the goal, but four goals again, you cannot complain whatsoever. Nope. And those of us with our hundred plus goal bets are feeling very, very smug right mm. now. Come on, Sky Bet. Fancy doing a cash out. You can uh, you can cut your losses now if you want to. Um, Farrell, Jack referenced it there. A decent opening goal from Fulham. A lovely cross from Kenny Tete. Uh, Mitro almost unmarked in the box. I loved 
gentleman Jim's commentary where he said, well, to be fair, he has gone 21 minutes without a goal. Uh, it just sums mm-hmm. up the boy at the moment. He, he's, he's scoring every game. I, I genuinely don't know what is the next team that's not going to let him score. Everything about that goal just fills me with absolute delight. It's great to see Kenny Tete starting again, as much as Adoy has been very, very worthy stand-in for Kenny Tete. But we always knew that Adoy would make way for Tete eventually. And it's such a it's such a beautiful delivery. And when you've got a player like Alexander Mitrovic, who knows exactly what he's going to do, he could have been standing anywhere in that box and he would have attacked it with so much vigour. Um, and he just times it beautifully, gets his noggin on the end of it, heads it down well. It, it's everything about it is just is just wonderful. You know, it might seem sim- simple, but I think you know it's just absolute testament to the to the quality throwing in uh, throwing that ball into the into the mix and the quality on the end of it. It's just it's a wonderful watch, really. Yeah, and um, Drew Fabio Carvalho came back into the side. Um, what did you make of that decision? Personally, I'm all for it. I don't really see why we wouldn't play one of our best players when we have him available. And it seems like for me, the contract stuff is up in the air. Yes, it looks like he's not going to be here next year, but for me, it, it, it seems like let's play our best player while we have him. It's not like he's specifically said he won't play for us again. He's just said, I'm not making a decision for now, even though it looks more likely than not, that decision is not going to go in our favor. And, and you just realized yesterday, what a class act he is. Yes. He's brilliant on the ball. Yes. He's going forward. But he's so tenacious as well. He, his work rate, his energy is fantastic. Several times yesterday, he, he wins the ball back in areas where a number 10 really shouldn't be, or isn't expected to be hanging about, but he is he's a terrier on the pitch isn't he and and it was lovely to see him back on the score sheet yesterday a nice one two with mitrovic via a little barnsley deflection and uh, it all opened up perfectly for him yeah absolutely i'm i'm a strong uh, advocate for playing your best players no matter what's going on um you know he's 18 years old he he he's as you say it's not him rejecting us it's just he's he's not made a decision yet you know it was the, the one two of Mitro was was wonderful uh, Mitro showing what he can bring to the table again without being without the goals but 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 Fabio Carvalho uh he's that little sprinkling of of, of stardust up up top as well uh that we've just we have you can't even say we've been missing but it's it's lovely to have back uh, and it's just one of those things where you just think everything's sort of going in our favor uh, uh, his finish as well was sublime, like well done to him for that. And, you know, I just think, you know, 18 years of age, you, you've got that sort of confidence. You're getting the crowd singing, sign the contract when you, when you score the goal, it's got to be, it's got to be nice to know that we want him there, but it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot to take on as an 18 year old. So I feel, I do feel for him hugely. Um, and you know, I, I hope that he stays, um, but boy, is it nice to have him back at the moment. And if we only have him until January, maybe you'll pop in one or two more before, uh, the Christmas break. I can't see him going in January. I really, really cannot see Fulham selling him in, in, in January. It would be a madness. Anyway, that's probably a discussion for another day. Um, Jack, just on Carvalho and, and going forwards, do you see him now as the first choice number 10 option? Obviously, Bobby Decker Dover Reed would have come back late from Jamaica. Um, Anthony Robinson was able to make it into the starting lineup. But, you know, if you have a fresh fit, uh, Fabio Carvalho over a Decker Dover Reed that played internationally and, you know, Joe Bryan's not back at full fitness. So maybe Anthony Robinson kind of had to start. 
But you see a performance like that yesterday. Deca Dovid Reed's done so well lately. Do you think there's going to be some rotation in that 10 role going forward? Or is Fabio just so good that even decoy over Reed can't mm. uh, overthrow him? Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough because it's such a lovely problem to have. I mean, we've spoke about it so much this season that the squad depth, we could even play Harry Wilson in a 10 or Tom Kearney in the 10. We could play Fabio in the 10 and Bobby decoy over Reed in the 10. But... I thought Fabio looked really settled on the pitch yesterday, despite all the contract talks and everything, which is good to see. Um, going forward, you know, you've got a three-game week, you know, Derby on Wednesday, Preston Saturday. So there's always options to change. But right now, in terms of his dynamism, in terms of the way he can link up the play, his his uh, sharp turns on the half turn, Fabio Carvalho, he's such a problem. And even his goal, weaving in and out of the defenders and actually striking the ball really well, despite the deflection. Um, the guy's a talent and... Yes, we had this problem when we had the likes of Sessegnon and and all these other good youngsters, and the more they play, the more attention they got. Um, but but it's clear to see that Fabio Carvalho has already got the attention of of big clubs, big suitors. Um, I, I would I would keep him in the team at the moment because a, a winning team you don't like to change it too often. But even so, Bobby Decord over he can come in and do a job. It's actually quite harsh to get dropped, but I can understand it coming back from Jamaica. Um, I just think it's a really healthy position. It actually speaks volumes as well of how about how Tom Kearney is now playing a slightly deeper role and, and still doing very, very well, still pulling the strings. Um, but look, Fabio Carvalho is contracted to the end of the season. Hopefully he does sign on. And, and if I were Marcus Silva, I would play him. I would play him yeah. and then try and change his mind and get him to sign a new contract with a new agent in, in January. Uh, and, and that will really put the, the club on side. Could you imagine if we, we, go, we get promoted and, he, and he's suddenly like, right, I'm going to be a Premier League player next season. I'm going to be guaranteed game time. For me, it's a no-brainer to sign the contract and get on with his football. Yeah. I did I did wonder why he went to cup his ears to the Barnsley fans. I didn't know if there was some long-running beef between Fabio Carvalho and, um, you know, some people in South Yorkshire. Um, or maybe he just loves the Clappers so much. Heard about the tweet in the, uh, in the first minute and thought, you know what, fuck you and the clappers tweet barnsley um but yeah that was that was an interesting moment i'd like to know why he did that or is that just his celebration he just fancies winding up um the opposition fans anytime he scores with the uh with the cup tears which he definitely uh learned off ryan sessignon as uh, we talked about earlier in the season um farrell the second half uh it was all fairly comfortable really wasn't it i mean the third goal is a lovely move great sweeping move um from fulham uh perfect ball from harry wilson across to niskins cabana who has learned how to finish Yes, we are all polishing the Ballon d'Or uh, because he's finally added the final piece of the puzzle to his game. Yeah, and when you were talking about Fab- Fabio Carvalho about being tenacious, the other player that came to my mind uh, as well was uh, Niskins Cabano. He is just terrorizes the opposition number, the opposition fullback. Like the amount of times, like they think he's going one way, or they. The, he, they think that they got the ball and they're comfortable on it, but he's there already. I feel like that is something that Marco Silva has decided to add to Cabano's game and probably why he wasn't chosen much under Parker because we know what Parker liked, how, how he liked to play. He liked sort of high energy, uh, high energy players who are very tactical. And Marco Silva's probably said, no, actually, I think you can do that as well. And you've, got, you've obviously got the ability on the ball. And what I also really like about Niskins Cabano and um, is the fact that he can cross with either foot and they 
they do tend to be pretty good crosses as well. Um, but thankfully, yes, he's added finishing to his game. And it's, it's another lovely move. Like the ball into Mitrovic was nice. First touch uh, round the corner to an unrushing Harry Wilson who takes his time to pick his pick the cross out for Cabano rushing in. And it's a lovely, tidy little finish. And the other part of it is the fact that even though when Mitrovic fires that ball out wide to Harry Wilson, if you actually look at the bodies run trying to run in to get to the uh, get into the box to get there as well, even Kearney's up there as well, running past to try and get there as well. It's it, it's it's another sort of joyous moment, another point that sort of just you know slaps a smile on your face when you're rewatching it uh, the next day or whenever you are watching it. It's just it, it's fantastic. Or in Jack Kelly's case, watching it for the first time uh, the next day. <laughs> no, I'm not having this. I'll tell you what it was. <laughs> I had my usual pints before the game at the Golden Lion, and then they were selling this beautiful IPA on the river inside the cottage. Was it milkshake? Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> it was six pounds. It wasn't this, come in early and get a, a, a discount on your drink. It was six pounds for a pint of IPA, but it was um, that probably just about tipped me over the edge and uh and where, where was this from it was just in the hammersmith right at the end of the hammersmith by the river um in one of those little kiosks they've got at the back and oh, okay. uh, it was a really good point yeah really enjoyed it wonderful How, what was okay. the percentage the tip you over the edge 10 no, percent. i'm not sure on the percentage but I, i'd probably had one too many i was probably too excited that, that club foot was back from the international <laughs> break my apologies <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely fine. Um, you, you raise a good point there with Cabano Farrell. What I watch him and the way he always seems to be able to beat the fullback. To me, from the stands, the gawping onlooker while he's just munching on a hot dog, it looks so easy. <laughs> you like why? What, he's obviously just going to dink to the byline and dink one in, just tackle him. But it, it, it looks like he it doesn't necessarily do it with a huge amount of pace. He doesn't always do it with an awful lot of trickery either. He just always is he's, his center of gravity is so low that he can always just find those few inches that he needs to uh, to get past his man. Um, Drew, we did concede our first goal in a month, which is a remarkable thing to say. It had been uh, 23 goals uh, without conceding since um, Lyndon Dykes stuck one in for QPR. Uh, Adelaide got the goal for Barnsley. It was all a little bit easy, wasn't it? Corley Woodrow had a free header, which hit the post, and then it fell back straight to the Barnsley man who, who stuck it in. I don't know. Can we be concerned? Should we care? Is it just one of those things? Is it emblematic of a bigger problem? I don't know. I can't work it out. I remember I've never, it's one of the few times I've never been less bothered about conceding a goal. It was almost a shrug your shoulders moment. And I can't remember too many times where I've just shrugged my shoulders that Fulham have conceded a goal. No, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, we look, we, it almost feels churlish to talk about it, to be honest. It's first goal conceded in over a month, as you say. Uh, they needed two bites of the cherry. I thought it was written in the stars that Scorley would get on the score sheet when uh, when he returned to the cottage. But, uh, you know, he, he nearly did. Uh, it was a bit easy, but, you know, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and criticise them for conceding uh, their first goal in God knows how many games. Uh, it was just... You know, it didn't even didn't even block the copybook because again, you know, we go and make it four anyway. So uh, no, absolutely fine for me. Whatever. Uh, Rodak is uh, faultless again as as, as usual, uh, and yeah, it is what it is. I'm not gonna not gonna lose any sleep over it. Let, let's put it that way. Um, but I was, you know, 
seven on the bounce now, seven wins on the bounce. We have a wonderful article up on the website by Reese Daly, who's uh, talked about our previous winning runs since the year 2000. And obviously the the one that everyone's going to remember was 11 for Tigana. And, uh, you know, I'm not in any way counting any chickens, but let's just say in 19 days time, we go to Kenilworth Road and we could equal uh, we could equal that. I mean, why not? Who Who's to say that we can't? The way we're playing at the moment, the way that we are, uh, you know, the, put that date in your diary. It could be It could be a, a special day. It, this team is capable of anything. And I think, uh, you know, we see it, we, we're seeing it week after week at the moment. I, I assume a, a man in a swirly, flowery jacket somewhere on the South Coast will uh, be pretty determined that that doesn't happen, um, mm. Drew. Uh, I mean, speaking of the Barnsley gold jacket, felt, I felt like it just pissed us off. I felt like the whole team were like, right, Okay, we were just going to win this 3-0 Barnsley, but if you're going to go and score against us, like have the gumption to put a ball in our net, mm. um, then we're going to go score another. Um, John Mikel Seri came on and within minutes did the most exquisite assist for Harry Wilson. I feel like, as obviously Seri is getting the plaudits rightly, but Wilson also controls that ball at full mm. pelt expertly and finishes it away as well. Yes, Seri's assist is unreal, but Harry Wilson more than plays his part. It wasn't like he tapped it in at the back post. Mm. No, no. He still, still had a lot to do. And I thought it was a really, really good finish. Um, Seri's vision for the pass to see the run, beautiful and well executed the outside of the foot. I mean, that's, that's world-class. Um, that sort of reminded me of um, his pass to play in Andre Schürrle. Brian away, yes. um, the game that if we did not have lost, we'd be in Europe right now. But um, or not drawn, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, but no, what a ball from Seri. But yeah, he's got a lot to do. Wilson takes it down on his chest, and it's a really good finish into the far corner. I think that Fulham just played some fantastic football. And look, on the eye, on our day, we're so good, and we've got players like that. We've got Kearney, we've got Seri who can play those wonderful passes, and we've got finishes in the likes of Harry Wilson, Cabana, and Mitrovic. Right now, this team is fantastic. And we keep scoring really, really high quality goals. Um, there's not much the opposition can do about that. Ball over the top. Wilson's in. Bang, 4-1. Good night. God bless. And I just thought another fantastic, fantastic moment from Fulham. Goal in front of the Hammersmith end. Um, yeah. Happy days. Yeah. And just to add, like, what a piece of business Harry Wilson is. Like, he he, he has been, like, you know, looking back on it already, like, I, somebody was saying on the on Twitter, is he a bit underrated in this side? And I think sometimes he can get lost in the shuffle in terms of the praise that's dished out. But he wants, again, another solid shift, a goal and an assist. And he's, you know, sometimes it's, he's highlighted for the bits that don't come off or the games that he didn't play so well. But there's only been, a, you know, one or two of those so far this season in, in the games that he's, uh, that he's had. So just a shout out to Harry Wilson for, for just being an absolute bowler so far this season and uh, we're, we're all watching. Do you think that we should make that loan, per- loan signing permanent then? <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, definitely. Well, the thing is, we did pay a billion pounds for him if you listen to <laughs> yeah. certain uh, ropey second tier podcasts. So um, yeah, <laughs> let's make it permanent. Um, and yeah, from then on, it was all fairly comfortable. Barnsley were kind of playing kamikaze tactics. You felt like at 4-1 down, really, really high. There were several chances for Fulham to get in behind. Obviously, one of them fell to Mitrovic, who who went through on goal. Uh, he squared it for Fabio Carvalho, who inexplicably missed it. So really should have been 5-1. I, I felt like Mit- Mitrovic Farrell was a little bit um, too unselfish then. I felt like he definitely could have gone for that himself. Yeah, I think if Mitrovic was sitting on like nine or 10 goals this season, he probably would have just finished it off. But I think he's like, well, okay, I'll give it to the young lad. Um, 
you know, but it just didn't obviously didn't work out for him and it was oh well. Um thankfully Barnsley didn't come back into it after that. Well, yeah, fortunately, it didn't really cost us the game, did it? Anyway, that'll do for part one. Uh, Part two will answer some of your questions. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here and joined by Drew Healy. Hello. Jack Kelly. You super rams. <laughs> and Farrell Mark. Up the Wayne Rooney, only for today. Yeah, I was going to say, save that for part two. Definitely not in part three where we're going to preview Derby County. Oh, and very oh, yeah. much, I will, not, I will not be supporting the Super Rams or up the Wayne Rooney. And uh, well, I imagine there's a few uh, Fulham fans of an older generation that will never support Derby in any circumstance, apart from oh, maybe that's today. true. Um, yeah, good knowledge. Yeah, there's a few Fulham fans that I think even would have been annoyed that they beat Bournemouth today because they hate Derby that much. Uh, Although I imagine most um, understood in the circumstances. Right, let's do some questions then. Uh, First one from Vincent Leander, which is timely, in fact, for the Derby game that's coming up, because he says, is there a case to be made for Hector to keep his place? Similar to Adoy when Tete came out of the squad. I know that was an injury, but Hector has put in solid performances and his distribution is improving. As good as Tosin is, does Hector get dropped regardless? regardless of form. Farrell Monk, do you think that there is a case for Hector to keep his place? He's been fairly impressive. He was unlucky not to score yesterday. He struck the inside of the post with a lovely outside of the foot effort. Mm. Um, Personally, I think that Tosin does just come straight back in. I think Hector's been all right, but I don't think that we are quite as impressive with Tosin. But look, we are blessed with options. Hector would be centre-back for most teams in this league. Um, but Tosin is also absolute mustard. It's great to have Hexa back in the team and him flourishing so well. Um, we know how good he is. He has been good the last few games. Um, I think the blot for me was the goal yesterday. I know we kind of glossed over it and it was meaningless and that happened and it was a bit of a mere moment, but it's not great defending from Michael Hector. Um, and especially since when he should have been, you know, it kind of got round him quite easily and he didn't, he didn't bust a gut to get back into the position. And if he did, he probably would have stopped it from, from getting to the, to the striker before he puts it in. But that's literally the only plot. I think he'd feel a bit hard done by if he gets dropped again for Tosin, but like, we know what Tosin is also capable, capable of. I think whatever happens, I think I'm going to be happy with whatever decision Marco Silva makes. And yes, that's my, bum fairly firmly on the fence there fair enough um hope it's comfortable for you drew um are you agreeing that um potentially hector deserves to keep his place i guess the adoy thing was interesting wasn't it how tete was ready to come back but marcus silver likely didn't see any reason to drop adoy um but as vincent also bookends that was the tete coming back from an injury so therefore it was beneficial to not bring tete back tosin is been sat with his feet up for four weeks and probably is really up for a football match. 
Yeah, I don't think it's, yeah, I, it's not almost as straightforward as, you know, him coming straight back in. I think, you know, if, if we'd uh, not conceded yesterday, then uh, I'd be saying almost certainly that Hector probably stays in just because I think that, um, you know, you are, uh, I think it's much easier or less risky to uh, toggle your options up top. But I think foundationally at the back, I think it's always better to keep uh, a, a steady a steady lineup whenever possible so uh, you know I would suggest that maybe he does but um, obviously as Farrell pointed out rightly like that was a that was something that was probably has uh, probably dented his case a little bit um, but it's it's one of those ones where Faz rightly puts like you can't be disappointed either way but I think um Silver has shown that uh, you know form or or shifts put in performances do count for something for him. Uh, having seen what what happened with Adoy, and by the way, Sky Sports was saying that uh, describing Tete's cross for Mitrovic, Tete standing in for uh, suspended Adoy, deputising for a <laughs> suspended Adoy, which I'm, I don't think is quite <laughs> quite accurate. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think uh, performances matter to Silver, so uh, it might not be as straightforward as that. Uh, Having said that, I don't think any of us would be surprised if if Tyson slots straight back in on on Wednesday. Um, but again, you know, what a what a situation to be in. Uh, and and also, what's really important, I think, is it's the mini redemption of Michael Hector. I think you know he had such bad Premier League PTSD, and and we know how bad that can uh, has, has affected him. And to, to come next time he's called upon, which he will be over the course of the rest of the season, uh, he'll be ready and he'll have shaken off uh, shaken off that. Uh, that 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 he had, so uh, I'm pleased for him. Premier League PTSD. Um, this <laughs> question's from Paul Budd, uh, Jack, and uh, he's gone for a bit of a conspiracy theory here. Oh. Uh, Hi lads, I wanted to share an ob- amusing observation after several games. I'm starting to believe that defenders have basically given up trying to effectively mark Mitro. If you watch the corner when Mitro's flick was denied by a good one-handed save from the keeper, he was left unmarked to casually roam around the box to pick his moments to strike. Maybe 50 goals is legitimately on the cards as clearly trying to stop him scoring is a futile exercise. There were a few moments yesterday in the box. I was like, why are you not picking up Mitro? Like, there was another corner just afterwards where literally he was unmarked, like next to the goalkeeper. I'm thinking, what? What is this bizarre tactic? I, I know that Barnsley do have some maverick um, coaching uh, staff and they've obviously just appointed the, the Swedish under 21 manager. And maybe that was his vision from the top is no, just leave him unmarked. He, uh, he, he'll, he'll mess up the chances. I don't know. Has, is Paul onto something here or was it just Barnsley being weird? No, I don't think he's onto anything. I think that, um, basically <laughs> championship, <laughs> defenders, brutal. championship defenders aren't, you know, aren't as good as Premier League defenders. And I think that a man like Mitrovic, it's very hard to mark when he is one stronger than you, two just more physical. I don't know if that's the same thing. Probably is, uh, and just three just better at being a poacher. Uh, and look, I remember the game against QPR where um, he he not only scored early on, but there was a, a chance at the front post where he just wasn't picked up again and headed it, and it was saved by like the face of the keeper, um, Semi Dieng. And um, I think that Mitrovic is just a very, very good striker and defenders can't deal with him. And even when he was nullified against Peterborough, he still managed to find that pocket of space and still managed to get the winner and still managed to get us the three points. He's just unstoppable at this level. And even when he's in between two defenders, like he was for the first goal, still wins the header, still scores the goal and Fulham are on their way to a victory. Championship 
defenders just cannot deal with him. And, and that is just the sorry truth. But apparently, apparently Dominic Solanke is better. Apparently. Yes, I did see Cherry's live uh, tweeting today and I, I enjoyed your response, uh, Jack, which was a picture of Dominic Solanke saying uh, the best round, all the best all round forward in the league with one of those magnifying glass emojis. Well, look, we shall see third of December. That's when the uh, that's when the real test will be. But so if he scores against us on the third of December, that makes him a better striker. Mitrovic has 21 goals this season. Solanke has what, like 13 He's not a better all-round striker. People are saying he's a better all-round striker because he's better at the game at like linking up play. But if you've watched Mitrovic this season, his link-up play has just accelerated and he's got better as an all-round striker. So how you can say that Dominic Slank is a better striker really does wind me up. You do realise that Sammy didn't say that. <laughs> no, I know. I did feel a bit personally attacked. But look, but look, ultimately, if we play that game against Bournemouth and Mitro doesn't score and Solanke scores two, I don't think we can then necessarily write off Mitrovic's entire talent as a striker based on one game. But then Bournemouth will have some, maybe some credibility to say mm, that Solanke we'll is see. the better forward. We'll I would like us to do what we were doing when we came up through the divisions in the late 90s. And just if there was another striker in the league, like banging in more goals than Jeff Horsfield or Paul Bescasolido, we would just go and buy them. I just remember buying Tony Thorpe when he was top goal scorer in the league, or at least second, and hardly played him. (laughs) Yeah, just buy them all. Just buy buy Solanke. Brereton Diaz, Solanke, just just, just hire everyone just and... uh... (laughs) loan them out to like a, another country or something like that just to take <laughs> away all the competition for us they'd be um, deadly in the fa- PL2 to be fair those two up top for us so that'd be great oh imagine oh, the yeah. under 23s are already doing well if we had Solanke and Brereton Diaz doing bits down at Motswa Park it would be insane uh, Jace Watkins uh, with an Aussie flag in his name says how much about our performances this year can we attribute to chemistry versus talent and could this be the missing ingredient from our two failed Premier League seasons that might might be the difference if we're lucky to go up this time around. Um, it is a good point, Fowl, that as much as we can look at the talent within the squad uh, and look at and look at the weakness of the league, Marcus Silva has really created an amazing chemistry about this side. Everyone seems delighted to be on the pitch. Everyone seems to be getting along, and chemistry was a massive problem. For Slavisa, I think that Parker mostly had the t- the dressing room until maybe the last month or so, and they, the weird Mitrovic debacle. I'm not a hundred percent sure that it was only um, chemistry that was missing last time around, but I am hugely impressed, um, nevertheless, with how Marcus Silva seems to have gelled this unit together. I guess is it just always easier to gel a unit when you're clearly the best one or two sides in the division? I think that there's a lot to it. Um, I think that considering the funds at Fulham's disposal to go out and keep players like Mitrovic, for example, on a large contract or, you know, attract Harry Wilson to the club and, you know, pay that money next year or whenever we're going to pay pay for him. Um, I think that it, it's going to make Marco Silva's job a lot easier uh, than probably Scott Parker had in the championship last time round when we signed players probably not of the same quality. Plus also I think that the championship has gotten slightly less competitive at the, at the business end at the top. Um, But, you know, credit where credit's due. I think the fact after such a brutal season last year and a lot of those players, like we've talked about a lot of the time about, you know, there's a lot of these players that hardly featured last year and they're sitting, you know, Tim Ream, for example, Niskin Scabano, 
and to sort of pick them up and go like, look, I want you here. I know how good you are. And we've seen like the transformation of players like Nisikins Cabano, for example. He's now pretty much going to start week in, week out. Even like Michael Hector as well, who had such a significant drop off of form as we've just, as we've just covered. And I think, I think you've got to give Marco Silva a lot of credit there. I don't think that there's a difference of chemistry. I just think that Marco Silva's done an excellent job at getting the team playing again and getting confidence back into players who, who might have had them completely shot from the last 18 months or so. Carl Kent asks, Drew, how many do you think Mitro would have scored if he'd have been around whilst Fulham were in the Premier League consistently? Like, how many goals do you think Mitro could score at Premier League level? I can't help but... Th- and, and, and this was a rumour that was going around last summer that Mitrovic would be fantastic if he was playing for a big team but maybe not as their first striker. And I still think that now, let's say Liverpool, for example, who regularly have to play Divock Origi. And look, Divock Origi seems like a a decent player. I'm sure he'd score a fair amount of goals at championship level, but I'm betting that they would absolutely love it if they had a Mitrovic that they could bring on for uh, difficult games midweek when they've got a big fixture pile up or um, Salah, Jota, Mane pick up an injury. I mean, I genuinely think he could score at the highest level as long as he has the service. I mean, look, we've seen it last week. He does definitely score at the highest level. It doesn't matter what caliber opposition he plays against. If you can get him the service, he does find the back of the net. Yeah, it's always been it's always been about the service of Mitrovic. First season in the Premier League, he cut a, a forlorn figure when he was being starved of any sort of decent service. Uh, and then obviously the, the second time we had a bite of the cherry, he didn't even get a look in. He's always been about the service. And, you know, in 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 the past, in the Premier League, you know, have, have we provided that service from from the wings? Yeah, of course we of course we used to. You know, I'm not going to say that he was going to be necessarily a Roy Hodgson striker or a cookie striker, but he would have definitely thrived in in many of the in the many of the incarnations of our first eleven over the course of the 14, 13 year stay that we had in the Premier League. He's not he's not in the Huckabee vortex. He is uh, he is a he can be a Premier League striker and I know it, I'm convinced of it and he can be a Premier League striker for Fulham. He can be a successful Premier League striker for Fulham. I think uh, the narrative that's now here is that, you know, commentators and pundits alike damn him with faint praise saying he's unstoppable at this level and he is, he is obviously, you know, that's that's not uh, that's not disputed but what tinged with that is is basically is his Premier League failures, quote unquote, even though he got double figures in a in a quite all quite honestly shite Fulham side a few years ago so uh, yeah he would have definitely have he would have definitely have been uh, a top player for us in, in the past and he could probably do a job for as you say a, a top six club as a second striker but you know what a waste of talent that would be to have him come on against the Malmos in, in Champions League dead rubbers do you know what I mean he's better than that uh, and I honestly think he'll prove it you know he's still he's, he's not even hit his peak yet as a football player uh, and I think that you know I'm looking forward you know you had your your piece again on the Fulham website guys check it out uh, fulhamish.co.uk uh, a piece about his redemption uh, his redemption story and I don't think it's over yet I think there's still uh, a third and a fourth act so um, I look forward to seeing it and hopefully it's always in a uh, either the white shirt of Fulham or a white shirt of Serbia. That's mm-hmm. what, or the away kit white shirt of Serbia, shall I say. Uh, Jack, Brian Chapman says, do you think we should show Harry Wilson a bit more love? We did kind of 
touched on this earlier. He played well all season, was superb versus Barnsley. Then at the end, he comes to the Hammersmith end to clap us and is met with a full-blown Seri serenade. It was a masterful pass from Seri, but Harry made the run and the finish. Um, we do like the Seri song and I like the Seri song, but there's a, even after Harry Wilson scored, we still sung the Seri song. Yes, I know it's because of the assist, but I, I feel a bit bad that it's some of these players. I mean, it's same with Marcus Silva and we're always singing Louis Boamorte. Yeah. Well, I, I just go to show we don't have a song for Harry Wilson. If we had a song for Harry Wilson, then maybe... We do. He's the star man playing Oh, there right. we go then. We do. So perhaps that one got forgotten. Look, Harry Wilson has justified his, his price tag, his ludicrous price tag, um, according to some. Um, he's a good player. I mean, at this level, I mean, we saw it at, at uh, Cardiff last season, Bournemouth down the years, um, Derby in the playoff season they had. He's just very good for this level, and I think he's ready for the step up, even though obviously he's played Premier League football before at Bournemouth. And um, look, he's he's hitting his peak years, and he's a mainstay on that right-hand side. I, I don't see anyone replacing him. I mean, we've got Cabano on the left and Wilson on the right, and that's the way it should be. And I don't think Antti Nocart is going to be knocking on his door anytime soon. Um, yeah, he's one of those players that's kind of underappreciated because you kind of know what to expect from him, and he kind of just does mm. the job. Um, a little bit like Harrison Reed, who obviously is loved by the fans. I'm not saying that Wilson's not loved by the fans. I think he is. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to, to maybe give out a, a couple of renditions of, of the Starman song for him on Wednesday night. Um, I really like the guy. I managed to bump into him after one of the, well, what game was it? Cardiff at home. He was buying a meal deal from a, a rogue news news agents in Wimbledon, which I quite enjoyed. Ooh, what was his meal? What was his meal deal? Do we uh, know? I didn't get a... I, I didn't get the sandwich, but it was a packet of Quavers and a Coca-Cola. Okay. So that was not too bad. Um, it's all right. Quavers, no. Coca-Cola, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, Quavers was, was a big turnoff for me, but um, <laughs> like, he's a nice guy. And I think I think he deserves, well, I think he gets an, a lot of praise from our fans, but maybe not so much within the 90 minutes that we play. His goals and assist contributions this season have been fantastic. It just so happens that Mitrovic has scored 21 goals and that has overshadowed it. The question that all uh, people listening want to know right now then, Jack Kelly, what is the ultimate meal deal? What's the ultimate Jack Kelly? I'm in Tesco's and I really want Matt value for money and the best tasting meal deal. What do you go for? Not an well, IPA. Well, you, you've opened I'm sure up. We would if you, I'm sure you would if you could get it in within the three pounds. I, I, would, I would love a little fruity IPA. That'd be beautiful. Um, I, I think right now, if you're in Tesco, please, please, I beg you go for the turkey and trimmings. Um, festive sandwich they always put it on just in about late October which I think is is good timing um, for Christmas um, turkey and trimmers is really good because you get that lovely cranberry sauce with the with the sausage and the and the stuffing it's just beautiful uh, for crisps I, crisps I always go with sensations um, because Thai sweet chili sensations you can't beat them uh, and then for drink I always go with a strawberry and banana instant smoothie get value for money and it's also fills you up because I always get two meal deals at once because one doesn't fill me up. So then, sorry, what? Yeah, I get two meal deals. I spend Jesus. six pounds. Two I'm lunch, Kelly. I just scran it. It's fine. It's easy. It's not and any, sensations not like this is this is a Tory lunch I've ever heard it. You're you're at, you're there at lunch, right? Yeah. And you've come back from your lunch break. You see, you come back to your desk or whatever. <laughs> oh, Jack Jack's back from his lunch. You get out your shopping bag. There's two turkey sandwiches, two sensations, and two innocent smoothies on your desk. That is correct. Where'd you put it? Good lord! Yeah, where do you put it? In my stomach. Well, no, I get that, <laughs> but. <I> mean... <laughs> What an absolute animal. 
Jack's got his video on, and I, I wish that uh, I think you should clip just the complete deadpan that he went in my in my yeah, stomach. In my stomach. Like, <laughs> no, I get that. Um, but yeah, to answer your actual question, in non-Christmasy times, go over a roast beef and red Leicester uh, sandwich. It's like pulled That's such roast a beef. strong sandwich to be doubling up on. Oh no! <laughs> I just I just love Christmas so much, and so I just go for it. But yeah, on with uh, on with the football. You are a walking meme, man. Um, right. A uh, couple of people asking the question. We have we have touched on this before, but a couple of people have asked it, so I feel like I, I can answer this. It's, it's people asking, if a bid of 35 or 40 million came in for Mitro in January, would we sell? Or what would happen in the considerably likely event that a Premier League team comes in knocking for Mitrovic in January? Uh, Dan asks that question, and at uh, Messonglay asks that question as well. I mean, unless anyone massively disagrees, I just think people, unless someone starts offering 100 million for Mitrovic in January that just Fulham are just Fulham is just not going to sell him they call it the 160 million pound game the playoff final so you're already 60 million short there straight away they can have Cavalero for 150 million <laughs> yeah Try and negotiate that one pal. that would be uh, that would be nice uh, the final question that uh, from Brian Head who asks uh, medium or sharp cheddar on the charcuterie board? I feel like we've heard enough about Jack <laughs> Kelly's um, culinary <laughs> taste, so I'll go to Drew, Drew and uh, Farrell on this. You, if you go for any mild cheeses, then you are, you know, less than a man. It's uh, you know the more flavoursome the better. But get me some extra mature cheddar, a little bit too crumbly for my liking, but uh, you know it's all about the flavour. Um, let's you know let's go for some, a nice blue or you know uh, you know a nice Roquefort or something. You know that that's what I'd go for. What about a Alfie mozzarella? Oh, for goodness. Mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're talking. Do you know what I know? I know what Dom's Dom's favourite would be. Mascarpone. <laughs> good. Very good. I, li- I like that a lot, actually. That's, that's very nice. All right, there's your questions done. Part three, we're going to look ahead to Derby on Wednesday. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy here with Drew, Jack and Farrell. Uh, had a message from Carl uh, Kent who asked our, our question about Mitrovic earlier. And he said, I've really enjoyed that some of the podcasts have been five or 10 minutes longer lately. Much better length. So uh, I feel like we've rambled today, especially with um, t- especially with two sandwich Kelly's um, revelations. I think this podcast is uh, going to be going on a bit longer. So I hope you enjoy that today, Carl. Um, it's always interesting trying to find the right length of podcast and you know trying to get the you know how long is how long should it be no one knows the answer it could be three hours like joe rogan or a little half an hour snappy one but i feel like people like the long pods so um we do them occasionally right let's look ahead to derby then on wednesday and jack i feel like this is a derby team that's really hard to work out where they are everyone said they were doomed and that was before the points deduction came in they don't have an awful lot of players on their books and wayne rooney really didn't seem to be anything in management particularly last season when Derby was shocking and only just about managed to avoid relegation um, on the final day of the season with that draw against Sheffield Wednesday however this year I mean they'd be in 16th place uh, between Birmingham and Preston if they hadn't have had their points deduction they're on zero points right now but you can quite see clearly see from their goal difference which, which is only minus two that that is obviously not the position mm. they are and yes look they look doomed to league one but that doesn't really really matter as far as Fulham are concerned this is not a team that are bottom of the league in 
reality. And, and what a win today against Bournemouth. I haven't seen the highlights of that game yet. You said you watched it. Mm. I don't know what to make. There's also some good players in there. Phil Jagielka, Curtis Davis. Yes, I know they're over the hill. Tom Lawrence, like they're not what they once were, but like there are some good players in this Derby team. It, 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 it's a tricky game. And not only that, they actually play some really nice, tidy football as well. Apart from the goal they conceived the equaliser, which is an absolute horror show if you haven't seen it. Um, they actually played really well today and were well uh, well deserved of their victory. Um, yes, they've got some ageing centre-backs in Phil Jagielka and Curtis Davis, but you know, in a player like Max Byrne and Shinny holding the midfield are decent for this level. Um, Eberselli, who's actually a really good player. Tom Lawrence, who's always caused problems at championship level. Uh, with Jason Knight and you've got the likes of Kazim Richards and Sam Bulldock up front. You know, these are decent championship strikers where at least half the league would probably take them in their team. Derby aren't as bad as everyone's making out of them just because they've had this horrible, horrible uh, administration disaster that's basically ridiculed them of any chance of staying up. They actually play some very nice stuff. Um, so I'm wary about the game. I think it's one of those where if we if we take our foot off the gas, they could punish us. Um what what does give me a little bit of uh, of hope is that we can just stretch their defence with the pace we've got with Harry Wilson and Niskan Scabano down each side. Um, I do expect us to hold most possession. They'll probably put everyone behind the ball and try and hit us in the break. Um, so be wary of that. It's a game that could go pear shaped as midweek. It's not guaranteed us to win. I know we've won seven in a, seven in a row, but we've got to keep the, the performances consistently at a high level to uh, to keep winning games. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, but I'm wary that Derby yeah, are a good team. They've only conceded, I think, 18 goals this season or 16 goals this season, which actually is really decent. Um, I think it's 18, actually, uh, for, for mm-hmm. obviously being at the bottom of the league compared to others around them. This is not going to be a, an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. You've got a manager in Wayne Rooney who's doing really well. He's doing a very good job for, for, considering the circumstances. I mean, the depth of the squad, I guess, is where Derby have their biggest issue. Mm-hmm. They have such limited death they uh named 16 year old amari kellyman um on the bench and uh, liam thompson was was handed his debut so they really are thin um i like that surname actually kellyman i i do wonder if maybe jack we could rebrand you as jack kellyman i just think it might flow uh, a bit better maybe like your stage name or something like that you know like stage djs name. get stage names <laughs> jack kellyman in the morning um drew <laughs> uh, for fulham I imagine there will be a few changes here and there. You'd expect maybe John Mikel Seri uh, to come back in for this one. Obviously, he didn't start yesterday. Uh, any other changes? We kind of discussed the Tosin Hector one earlier. I expect uh, Tete to stay and I expect uh, Seri to slot back in. Um, and of course, we, you know, we mentioned Tosin as well. I think for the record, I do think he'll probably come back in. Uh, that's probably enough, to be honest. Uh, it's going to be a really tough one, as Jack said. I think one thing we talked about chemistry earlier and, and, and one thing you can't underestimate is a club or a group of players that have their tails up and they've got this siege mentality and, you know, they're... they're they are obviously, you know, better than what their position says, and they're they're going to be tr- out to prove a point, as you saw against Bournemouth today. So, in many ways, it's going to be one of the one of the toughest games we've had in this in this mini streak that we're on a mini streak, huge streak that we're on. It's going to be the tough one, um, I think, and the b- potential banana skin. So, um, definitely one to look out for, uh, and hopefully we'll come through unscathed. Uh, and if we don't make it eight, then hopefully we don't lose. Yeah, exactly. A uh, uh, Farrell. Um- 
we're now top of the league after Bournemouth's defeat today. Do you think this is now the start of Fulham trying to claw themselves away from Bournemouth? We've been given a lovely opportunity here. Um, and you know, Bournemouth have got Millwall midweek, not the easiest game um, that, that they could face. Um, this, this is now a massive opportunity for Fulham to go and assert themselves at the top of the league, not just in the promotion spots. If I was like Marco Silva... And the, much in the same way that Savisa did as well at this particular time, he'd be like, I don't really care about any other, what's going on in the league right now. I only really care about what's happening with Fulham. And I certainly do believe that, especially since the way the league is actually shaping up to be, we only really care about the automatic promotion spots. We just want to create a huge gap in between us and third, which is building quite nicely after West Brom's uh, loss yesterday as well. So let's just carry on focusing on, on Fulham, focusing, getting on uh, the good performances out. Um, yeah, you're both Drew and Jack are quite right in saying that Wednesday is, is actually a much, you know, um, it's going to be a much tougher task uh, than it appears on, on, on paper as well. So uh, yeah, great if we can create a gap, but let's just carry on winning games. Really, that's all. That would just be nice. Just keep winning those games. Keep making them routine as well. Look, there's a there's a huge sort of difference in mentality when you're top and you're looking down. I think, you know, our Fulham, I've always thought of us traditionally being better chasers. And I think, you know, you can't, when you're as good as we've been playing at the moment, you're not going to be chasing forever. And there's going to be a point where you overtake uh, the team ahead of you, which we have done. But I think now when you're, when you're, kicking downwards it's there's a shift and um and it's one that we've not had to worry about yet um and it's, we've said it all, all the last hour you know we, we've got great headaches to have but it is it is something that needs to be uh needs to be uh we need to be ready for and i think so it will be another uh way to look at how marco silva is as, as a coach uh, to try and sort of keep us in that in that vein of form that we're in and and you know as we're the ones leading the charge and trying to keep Bournemouth at bay but I think what's really nice I think is that uh, we've seen already this season is the way we've kept West Brom at bay and now we've we've pulled away and they've gone backwards so I'm hoping the similar sort of thing might happen with Bournemouth but we'll, we'll have to see but there will be a shift and I think it'll be interesting to see how we cope with it. Do you yeah. think it helps that Lewis Bermorte is there and he's been through this before? Like Drew quite rightly says this is actually the first time in a long time Fulham have been top of the top of the pile and might be for a sustained period and so we need players with that mentality and experience to actually fight off the chasing pack and not be part of that pack instead I think it's helpful in so many ways that Louis Boamorte is here. I, I think Marcus Silva, although, you know, Fulham fans are thinking, oh, we need a chant for Marcus Silva and and a lot of people are singing Boamorte. I reckon Marcus Silva doesn't hate that in lots of ways. It means that kind of the, the, the focus is a little bit off him. He can be allowed to do his thing. And, and Boamorte just knows the, the fabric of this club. And you see the way that he's improved a player like Niskins Cabano. Um, I think that, his influence will be all over this dressing room. And yeah, hundred percent. You need that winning mentality to be able to go and, and dominate a league and be out in front. And, and like Drew says, I've always associated with us for the last few years, particularly have always been a chasing club, whether that's been in relegation battles or trying to get into playoffs or trying to get automatic promotion. It always seems like we're the team in behind. And now we've got this advantage where we are out in front I'd love nothing more than us to learn how to assert our authority um, because I think it will be hugely helpful 
even you know if we do get promoted next season looking ahead look let's let's find out how you actually do stay out in front too long this club has been a side that's been chasing and often that ends up badly unless you can pull out a rabbit out of a hat on at the very last minute um so yeah fingers crossed that uh, we can go on and do it a good point um for derby that uh hopefully is in our favor is that their away form this season um has been pretty ropey they've only had one away win all season uh which was quite early on back in August actually um, which was away at Hull all of their other wins um, have come at Pride Park so fingers crossed that actually away from home Derby are not quite the proposition that they are at home as uh, as Bournemouth found out today but anyway that'll do for the podcast thank you very much for listening the last thing that we need to do uh, is to name it so Farrell what would you like to go for as much as I would love to see the grimace on Sammy's face as he's writing out a description of this podcast that's called <laughs> Seri Caresses Balls, uh, I'm going to have to go with Matt Walls uh, tyking the piss. It's not miles better, is it? But, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking yeah. of your feelings, Sammy. That's yeah. all. All right. Tiking the piss it is. I imagine the Athletic will be delighted about that title. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll go again on Thursday. Myself, Jack and Peter looking back at that Derby game. Thank you to my guest today, Drew Heatley. Thanks, Sammy. Jack to Sandwich Kelly. Thank you very much. Thank you. Make sure to tune into the Jack and Joe show tomorrow. Oh yes, head to the Fulhamish YouTube for that. Um, can you also, if when you get your two meal deals this week, can you send me a photo? Just just send me a quick WhatsApp with your two meal deals <laughs> side by side, please. Yeah, I'll do that, definitely. Can't wait. Farrell Monk, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Can't wait for the Jack Kelly Man show and Joe show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you think, do Americans actually, because a big part of our audience is American, do they get meal deals? Uh... I don't know who you're asking. (laughs) Well, I mean, Farrell, you've got an American partner. Uh, Actually, we have had this conversation about sandwiches before, but like actually going to a shop and getting like a ready-made sandwich is not a thing over there, which is actually very depressing. I might actually never visit. (laughs) Oh, well. I mean, I, I mean, in a way, it's probably a good thing, to be fair, that our whole country yeah. just eats prepackaged sandwiches all the time. It's, they not get but, a, you can't get meal deals. Shocking. But it? I did get Thanksgiving dinner, which was just absolutely sublime yesterday. Mm. Do you not feel like you're over turkeying, though? You know, in only a month's time, you're going to have more turkey. There's only so much turkey a man needs in a year. Well, I'll get back to you when I come back looking like a turkey after christmas <laughs> we'll get you on one of the boxing day podcasts and we'll see how you feel then i feel like you can you can double park with turkey that's it's too soon i'll actually be in america at that time so um it would be you can actually get the full force of my american turkiness as well didn't know you were going to america you could do a fulhamish live tour for us you could go um you know go meet meet the listeners out there Where, whereabouts in america uh, I'm actually, if, if there's anyone that's in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, or Franklin to be the home of Dolly Parton, Franklin, Tennessee, come watch a Fulham game with me. That'll be nice. That'll be really fun. Oh, let's sort that out. If you're in Nashville, message Farrell. Um, I don't know if we, this is, this is, this is a fascinating thing. Maybe we should name a city every podcast and see if someone lives there and they can take a photo for us. So Nashville, Tennessee is today's challenge. Anyway, we've witted on too long. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you again on Thursday and hopefully Fulham can get another win eight in a row on Wednesday. Come on, you whites. Ha <laughs> <laughs>
Mann. 